This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brendan Spinner, Michael Burns, and Kyle Rowe. Well, hello and welcome back into episode now four of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I myself, Brandon Spinner, as always with Michael Burns and Kyle Rhodes. Whoop, whoop. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing all right. We nice and weather. We got went get my went and got my daughter some uh, her first baseball bat yesterday. So we were in the yard taking hacks. Nice taking hacks. She was having I fun. Saw you spray painted the yeah, yard. Yeah, we Paint, got. Right? I, well, I, I spray painted it white first. Gave her own baseball field to teach her how to run the bases and the field. And then when I mowed over that, mm-hmm. I painted it blue. And then I was at, uh, we went, she went to Home Depot with me. We, I saw pink fluorescent paint. I was like, should we get that for the field? Now she loves it. So good, yeah. good times. Outside. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I got to watch baseball with my daughter these last couple of days. It's been nice. It's awesome watching baseball with your daughter. Aubrey loves watching baseball. Anytime it's up, she's like, baseball? Baseball? That was one of the first words she knew how to say. And bourbon. Like, a lot. She would grab the, yeah, that and bur- literally. <laughs> and that's why we have a bourbon and baseball podcast. She grabbed her remote when she was a little kid and pointed at the TV and said, baseball, baseball. So uh, I'm hoping she continues that. As I mentioned, episode four, uh, we have loved all the support we've gotten from each and every one of you listeners out there and viewers, as you can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, you can just search Barrels and Barrels. But thank you to each and every one of you who've reached out and also who have participated. We also have that BNB Bracket Challenge going on. I think we got about 10 or 11 entries. Again, you can win that weather special reserve for whoever scores the most points. Uh, and we'll break down that bracket a little bit later. Uh, as we're jumping right into it bourbon-wise this week, Michael and I, we will be sampling a Blade & Bow bourbon. Uh, this coming from the Stitzel Weller Distillery out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Michael, have you had this before? This is my first bottle of it. So as you see, I haven't done okay. much damage um, as I do like to spread the love to all the bottles on my shelf. Mm-hmm. But I saw always saw this on the shelf when I'd go in stores and I'm like, eh, you know, I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to, I'm going to pass where I wish I had grabbed it earlier. It's, it's something that's on the shelf and something to easily grab. Yeah, and it's not a bad price point. I think MSRP is between about 45 to 50 bucks, so that's not going to break the bank. Um, it's not a cheaper daily drinker that you would go and grab, like an Evan Williams or a Jim Beam regular label. But uh, if you want to sit down and pop it open, uh, this is my second bottle. Uh, the first one was a gift from a buddy of mine in Huntsville as I was leaving. A big shout-out to James Drake. Uh, as all bourbons have a story nowadays, or so it seems, there's something cool with this one. Uh, you may see the key still on mine. Michael, is yours still on the bottle, or have you taken it's it off? Un- it's, I keep it on yeah. there. So I've got a second one because I've had two bottles. But uh, So there are five different types of keys here, Kyle, and for listeners, and they do the five key club. If you're able to collect all five keys, um, what they will do is they will engrave your name on a, uh, I think a mint julep glass or a julep glass and keep it in their like hall of cups or a hall of fame what? with your name on it at the Stitzel Waller Distillery that is in Louisville. Uh, pretty close, I think, to Churchill Downs. So cool story there. Stitzel Waller Distillery goes way back. It's a very old distillery. It has a lot of uh, tradition and history to it. Um, this is good stuff. I haven't had it in quite a while, so I'm going to be returning to it. Uh, so it's going to be a fresh review for me. I'm breaking it open as I hit the mic there. there. But uh, I'm breaking it open for for this first time. Uh, bottle is a pretty cool one. For those of you listening, I'll try to paint the picture the best way that I possibly can. It's hexagonal if you look from the top. Uh, it's got the five keys on the cap. The knob of the cap is a wooden cap into a cork. Uh, and it's just got a regular old circle label right on the middle. This is Blade and Bow, established back in 1935 is when the Stitzel Weller Distillery, and I believe it was owned originally by Pappy Van Winkle himself. 
Uh, and Weller is obviously that name Weller you may hear in the bourbon industry as well. So I like this stuff. I've heard amazing things about their 22 year, which I would love to try at some point. But for tonight, it's just the regular old 91 proof bourbon. With no age statement on it. So while you guys are pouring... I was going to say, Go ahead, it's, got an, it's no age statement because it's a blend of different aged whiskeys, which I just, I, I read is Solera style. Did you know that, Brandon? That's a certain term if you're mixing different ages. I I did not know. I, I've heard Solera style. I didn't know what it meant. What were you talking about, Kyle? So my father-in-law dabbles in the bourbon and his one is Blanton's. So they have the the different horses going up and down. Is the key kind of the same thing as that? You have to collect. Yeah. Like are the keys keys numbered? Yeah, there's a number one through five on the key. The key I have right here that I just talk, took off the bottle is number two. You may not be able to see that on camera, but it's right at the tip of the key that you would put in the lock. Uh, and if you can get numbers one, two, three, four, and five, as I mentioned, uh, it's very similar to the Blanton's thing. That's what I'm pointing out behind my right shoulder here is a uh, Blanton's display. I know Michael's got a couple behind him on the top of his shelf. Just curious. Yeah, it's very similar for sure. Mikey, what are you getting on the nose here? Definitely sweet right away. It's not. It's yeah. a, a little bit of a toasted, toasted on the nose there. Yeah, it's. It reminds me a little bit of that uh, Blue Note Crossroads that we were talking about a couple months ago before we started this whole podcast thing. <laughs> the first the first nose I got today actually had a little floral to it, which uh, is an interesting one for me. I don't always pull out floral notes. I got that and baking spices off the top and also some vanilla and caramel. The notes I have here have say that you could... Pick up a hint of toasted coconut. I don't. Well, yeah, I, I don't know what that I, uh, doesn't come through. I, I'm not picking up any coconut on the nose. I get the toasted portion of it for sure. Some grain. Um, mm-hmm. I think it builds. This one builds as it goes through. It starts out, in my mind, a little thin in the beginning. I don't know if you get that. The viscosity when you drink sometimes, Kyle, sometimes it hits you right away. Sometimes it's got uh, a little bit of a build where it almost feels kind of thin at the beginning. And then the more it sits in your mouth and on your palate, it starts to maybe thicken up or uh, create different flavors. I find this to be thin at the beginning. I guess that's the best way to describe it but continue to build in flavor as it builds. And it, uh, I mean, very strong, uh, oaky, oaky for sure for me. Yeah, right what, I, what, I, what I liked about it when I'm pouring it is that linger that, that you're talking about, how it draws different flavors as it sits in your, on your palate there. And it doesn't go away. That's why I, I feel like you get a good bourbon. It's something that lingers and lasts in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing about. I, I'm trying to think of what what did I say that he's. No, no, that was a like. There are some bourbons that they hit hard at the beginning, but that finish just isn't right. there. It kind of like ends on a dud. I like how this one keeps building yep. and building. The longer you have it, and when you go back, you kind of get a little bit more of a hint. Especially as it starts on the tip of your tongue, that's what I meant. It kind of has that thin feeling. But the, it's got more um, depth to it as you get a little bit longer in the mouth. Uh, I, this is very good. I really enjoy this pour. Um, again, you can find this in most liquor stores. I know in Alabama it's a little hard to find. And that's kind of how it is with bourbon here across uh, all sorts of genres and all that. But still something uh, that I think it would be pretty good. If you saw this on the shelf, spend the $45, $50 to buy it. Uh, are we going to rate this? Did we want to do a rating style this week, Michael? I don't know what that. I don't. I, you know, I, I want to think of it more as like, hey, this is easily accessible or a good beginner drinker. Yeah. Where you know, I think this is a good be you know good beginner drinker at ninety one proof with a lot of flavor that might be oh, that for sure. gateway to something higher because it does have good flavor. Yeah, this is definitely a great one for someone to begin with for sure. Um, 
and as Michael pointed out, 91 proof. So it's not going to overpower you through the beginning, um, which is cool stuff. Before we jump into baseball real quick, a couple things that came down in the bourbon world news-wise. Uh, Buffalo Trace, we knew it was coming, but they announced that their lineup for Pappy this year, uh, that they're going to have all of the normal options. Last year with the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, they didn't have the GT uh, GTS, the George T. Stag. Still waiting on word from that. I haven't heard about that yet. But as far as all the Pappies, they'll all be there. Uh, another big thing this past week, which I noticed a lot of on Instagram or social media, High West, you were able to go there at one point. I right? tried. Um, I was there. I was there in Salt Lake for three different weeks, and the they were booked uh, even three weeks in advance for me. Well, well, they're pretty busy, and while well, they've got one of the top like sought out bottles right now, Kyle, it's called Midwest Night's Dram or Midwinter's Night's Dram. Uh, High West Midwinter Nights Dram, and they uh, this is the tenth edition, which is going to be highly sought after. But they've got another one that is a distillery exclusive called the Encore, uh, which I've heard is really really good. So I've seen a lot of bottles. That would be probably the top of really? my list right now of fall slash winter drinks to just try. I don't necessarily need to find the bottle, but I've heard so many great things about it that do I do. You know I why they started that one back over as Act One? Because that's an that, so that's another collector kind of thing and or a year to year thing, yeah. But that tenth anniversary one that you can only get at the distillery is Act One, Scene One again. Yeah, because it's the encore, I believe. Is they're trying to like bring it back? Um, they're saying the tasting notes are soft licorice, Earl Grey tea, peach marmalade, grapefruit zest, vanilla meringue pie. I mean, these are very descriptive. Normally, it's, <laughs> I mean. You, you normally you don't see like seven of them marzipan and chocolate mint leaves um both the act 10 and the encore will be a beginning october 2nd so we're past that now act 10 will be available in very limited quantities nationwide for about 150 bucks so it's a pricier bottle that's why i said maybe just a it's high rye too trial at a bar or yeah it is a high rye so as we transition from the bourbon over to baseball, boys, it was playoff weekend, and that's why we're doing this recording here on Monday, Columbus Day, or uh, Native American Day, uh, Indigenous People Day, this uh, October 10th. <laughs> so we're recording Monday night as the games start on Tuesday. Uh, gentlemen, we had an active weekend. What did you think of the series, Michael? Um, I, they were some fun series. Um, whether you were trying to root for Pujols and Yadier to move on, or you were um, wanting to see the Cleveland and and Tampa Bay those pitching matchups go, but then seeing the Mets met, you know, they, some they were fun games. Yeah, there was some action out there in those games. Kyle, what games stood out the most to you, or what ones were you able to like hone in on the most? So I didn't get to watch a ton, but I did get to watch the 15-inning Rays oh. and Guardians game. You mean two yeah. games? <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. Um, did get to watch a bit of the Cards-Phillies first game because we aired it. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I did get to watch Castillo put on a clinic uh, game one. I had to make you smile. Not when I had the Blue Jays predicted to win or go to the World Series. (laughs) Well, Michael, I'm three out of the four, so you're fine. That's what I get for picking the the one Canadian team. (laughs) Eh? Eh? They're too busy making maple syrup, eh? Uh, It's maple syrup time. Um, as far as what you guys are talking about, I also only got to sample a handful of the games. The series I watched the most of, I think because the games lined up with my day off on Friday, uh, were the earlier games with Tampa Bay and Cleveland. I watched all of game one, uh, and all of game two for the most part. They say pitching wins championships. Boy, was that a clinic on pitching. Tristan McKenzie really came, has had a breakout year and. Is putting himself on the radar for next mm-hmm. year. He showed real good signs last year coming up. I think that was his rookie year last right. year, or at least the first time he was getting at least back-to-back starts on a consistent basis. Uh, wiry little guy, but boy, he can bring it. Um, also in that game, Tyler Glasnow, who was a wild card, just coming back from uh, – 
the Tommy John surgery, he pitched fantastic too. They both pitched shutouts. Uh, just an incredible game. I think it just showed the amount of or the lack of offense on both of yes. those teams as well, which kind of could hurt the Guardians going forward into the next round. But this is why you play the game, right? Uh, I think the game that made me smile the most, and this is going to piss off some of our listeners, and Michael's going to be right on board with me. And I think, Kyle, you're going to join in on this one with me as well. Game one of that Philadelphia-St. Louis series where the the (laughs) Phillies really didn't have much going on until ninth inning, and then it was – it was kind of I, – what did I tweet out? I tweeted something out. I was, it was just romantic. How can you, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Well, that from Moneyball. But I think I tweeted about – I think there's some – a guilty pleasure of watching the Cardinals fall apart in the playoffs. Yeah, so the Cardinals lost yeah. game two then as well. So as a Cubs fan, I think it's Murphy's, Murphy's uh, Bleachers had the sign. Bleachers, so the Cardinals yeah. played two more games than the Cubs. whoop de doo <laughs> Kyle, that was the game you said you watched most of, right? Because it was on WCPO, which is the company we both work for right now. What were your impressions out of that game? Like you said, uh, you well, like we said earlier, you want to see Yachty, you want to see Aprico, what's their last season, you want to see him succeed. But, uh, okay, everybody but Michael. And then, uh, yeah, when the Phillies just started rallying back, one – we continue. I got to continue to get paid to watch baseball um, <laughs> instead of do my job. But uh, while doing your job, Kyle, while doing your job, I, ho- I hope they while, are while doing your job. There you go. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, Phillies. Congratulations to Phillies. Wish I would have picked them. Congratulations. Yeah, uh, congrats to the Phillies. I mean, I have got a thirty to one ticket on the Phillies, so I'm fine with them winning. Uh, I just didn't expect it, especially how they kind of petered out towards the end of the season. They limped into that final week of the year until they kind of turned it on into the last weekend. That was a, and that was another thing is I expected the home teams to have more of an advantage, and there was one home team out of all of the series where the home team ended up moving on to the next round, and that was actually the Cleveland series. Yeah. And both of those games were one-run games. There was four total runs in that series combined, and they played 24 innings of baseball in two games, and there were four runs. And the first game was the second shortest game ever. Oh, I think it was the shortest game since 1999 or something along those lines. Yeah, two hours. The second game doubled over. It was over double that time. And (laughs) almost played double the amount of innings as well. And there was some pacing to it too. I watched the ninth inning, had to go run errands, came back an hour later. The game was still yeah, up. Yeah, good for I was you. So excited. I left for work. I left for work in the seventh or eighth inning, listening to it on the radio, got into work, and as I was forecasting, listened and watched the remainder of the game until Oscar hit that walk-off home run. It was hilarious. Right after they played the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song, which is his <laughs> walk-off song, which is hilarious and also really funny and cool at the same time. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to see if it was the bottom of the ninth and see a playoff walk-off into the next series. So I was like, hey, hon, while you're watching mm-hmm. your show while the kids are napping, let me go lay out. I'm going to go on the patio real quick and just see if they walk it off. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe it's the next inning. Nope. Okay, maybe it's got to be the next inning. I was out there for two and a half hours yeah, later. We played outside. It worked, it worked, it worked out. Nope. Moving on to the next series from that, uh, as Kyle had mentioned, Luis Castillo in his playoff debut, uh, just absolutely shoving for the Mariners. And then game two was a wild one. We had a wild day of baseball on Saturday uh, Mm -hmm. between that Guardians and Rays 15-inning game. But I think the game that everybody started talking about was that Mariners-Toronto game two, 8-1. to And I was watching, and I'm kind of upset with myself because I said, I wonder what the odds are that the Mariners come back and win this. I should put a dollar on it or something. But, yeah, I didn't do that. And, of course, lo and behold, I flip it back on, and it is 10-9. to 9. What So happened? I saw it was 8-1. to 1, mm-hmm. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch up until that point. And I was like, well, this game's over. So I just let I, – I didn't turn it on. 
And then I just happened to check the MLB app and saw it was 9-9. I said, oh, we have a ball game. So I turned it on and got to see, uh, blanking on his last name, Raleigh, the catcher. The big I think the he's big yeah, he uh, he hit that leadoff double, and man, congratulations to the Mariners. Yeah, I'm, that was really cool to watch. I had been forecasting, as I mentioned, that in uh, the Guardians and the Rays game went so long that it took away my time from watching that. So by the time I turned it on, the Blue Jays were up four to nothing, and then it was four to one. Uh, and I looked down. I went and did some radio for. The station i looked back and all of a sudden it was eight to one i was like oh this game is over we went and we did the show and it was eight to four or something along those lines i believe and then all of a sudden i'm like it was eight to five uh and then a nine to five I'm like ah. and then they come back in the ninth or in the eighth and then the ninth they take the lead one thing i do hope george springer's okay and i do hope Bo bichette's okay because that was kind of scary in center field that's the kind of stuff you hate yeah. to see happen anytime but especially in a playoff game but boy the tenacity and then just the resiliency of that mariners team makes me feel a whole different feeling for that team going into the next round moving on to the next series that uh happened yeah. just recap go ahead you have some Kyle? No, go ahead. I'm just going to change it over to the Padres and the Mets. Uh, boy, the pitching matchups in this one were incredible. I think the storyline from the series was the Mets are going to met, but also just the the baseball out of this was fantastic. Up until I'd say about game three, um, none of them seemed like they were close, but all three of them had storylines to it. Yeah, Michael. absolutely. The the big headline from game one, Max Scherzer giving up the four home runs. Poor guy. And he, I mean, that guy, he <laughs> won the he World Series with uh, he won the World Series with the Nationals. He's got playoff experience. He's mm-hmm. actually was he on the Detroit Tigers when they went in 2012? I think in 2003 he, they lost in 11 and 12. I think he may have been on the team still in 12. Before he went over to the Nationals. He's a, he's a vet. Yeah. It was either the Diamondbacks or the Tigers. Yeah. He, he, so he's the vet that, you know, to blow up like that. And so you wonder well, if he was healthy. Because he had issues down the line. He should, I think he said his pitches just were running more than he thought they were. They weren't sticking to where he wanted. He wasn't. He didn't have command. Uh, he just, the ball wasn't where he wanted to be. But I think he's the highest paid player in the league. He signed a three-year, $130 million deal going into the offseason, a base salary of about $43 million a year. The Mets signed him four games like that, and he just didn't bring it, which is kind of sad for him. Uh, transitioning on, probably their next pitcher to go away is Jacob deGrom. He pitched game two. He pitched pretty well. They got the win. Uh, he's probably going to opt out. And then game three, boy, uh, Joe Musgrove, man, he earned that contract that he just signed. That a was a great. Weeks. That was great baseball. You know, you don't from from the Mets mm-hmm. trying to pull out all the stops for the sticky stuff, and that was that was a fantastic game. The hype that the Padres had with you know Juan Soto, I think, in the beginning of the game, get in the second inning, fourth inning, one of the two, sacrifice bunt. They 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 paid how much in prospects mm-hmm. for Juan Soto, and he's going to lay down a sacrifice bunt. I mean, that's team baseball. He's he a saw baller, it all man. Around. Pitching, hitting, small ball. It was it was a great ball game that game three. Kyle, I didn't get to watch a ton of this game. I kind of just kept up with uh, what was going on online. Uh, but yeah, yeah. One thing I really want to touch on real quick is I think uh, Michael mentioned it briefly. The sticky stuff uh, question. Buck Showalter trying to get into the head, I believe, of Joe Musgrove. I think it was by the sixth inning, maybe the fifth inning. I don't know exactly which one, but I think it was the sixth. Um, did you see this, Kyle? I saw it on the uh, Talking Baseball Instagram where yeah. they were like, Joe's ears look rather shiny. shiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a Moana toss in. Uh, are you trying to get me to talk about myself? Because I will gladly do so. 
in song form. Uh, but the the I think that just fired him up more. I mean, he looked straight into the Mets dugout the next play, and then uh, Manny Machado was ramped up from there. And from there, it was just kind of like, "F these guys, we're gonna yeah, backfired." And the Mets, yeah. Uh, I mean, I will give Buck Showalter some credit. I think he learned from his previous mistakes when he was in Baltimore, where he uh, didn't use Zach Britton. He had. Edwin Diaz in the game, in game two, I believe, in the seventh yep. inning. Um, he was not going to go out without his best guy on the mound. Uh, but it's more of a sand trombone, sad trombone rather than a, a trumpet coming in. Uh, yeah, when, he's, when, you're, when that trumpet's playing and you're not winning, hmm. kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It was, it was an overall a fun weekend of baseball. I don't think Major League Baseball, again, got ex- exactly what they were expecting. I think they were hoping for more three-game series. But it was better, I think, than the wild card series or the wild card game that we usually got uh, when it was only five teams where it was the one game and you're in or one game and you're out. Uh, I think that it was a much better weekend of baseball on that note. What did you think? Yeah, Michael? the fun factor of the elimination one games was hey, you're all your balls to the wall for that whole game. So that Do was die. fun yeah. about the Mets Padres game. That was the only series, right, that went to that game three. Um, but you got more baseball. Mm-hmm. Who's going to complain about more baseball? Oh, right. Right, for sure. Kyle? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> it was just a wait weekend of baseball. I'm excited to see what uh, these next series hold. Hey, gang, we wanted to take a break from the booze and ball talk to talk about some booze and ball apparel. Walk-Offs and Whiskey is doing something special for you, the listeners. Head over to walkoffsandwhiskey.com and use the code BNB at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's code BNB at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Now, let's get back to the show. Speaking in another week of baseball, another round of series, what series is the one that you're most excited for, Michael? I'm excited to see the Braves team get out there. Um, I am concerned now the hype that all these winning teams from the wild card have moving in the momentum they have, how that will affect. Um, the Padres and Dodgers are gonna be, is going to be a fun one. Uh, NL West teams going at each other. Um, so that, that that's a good one too. Both of them, the Braves, Phillies, are both uh, division rivals there. So great matchups coming up. Kyle, I'm also excited to see the Braves and Phillies, but I'm intrigued also to see the Mariners Houston series. You got any reason for that, or just because of the the Reds players on the well, team? Or? I think Houston. They just have, we have nothing to lose, uh, but. Uh, like Seattle, they were this team that weren't gonna make it. Twenty-one year drought. Mm-hmm. They got in. Everybody expected Toronto to kind of mull them over. They did the opposite, and now they're gonna go against this Houston team that has a lot of hype behind them. I'm just curious to see what if they bring, like Michael said, the same energy into this series, and are we gonna get a full series where it's back and forth, or are they gonna get swept? Yeah, well, and this is the division series, the NLDS, NLA, uh, ALDS. The crazy thing of all this, out of the four series, three of them are division rivals or division matchups. And the one that stands out the most to me is the Padres and Dodgers. If you've watched any of those games since probably 2020, since the Padres really started their to team. load up, and it's been feisty. Yeah, but and that's another thing I do want to touch on in here in a little bit. But that matchup, it's been lopsided this year in LA's favor. LA has won 14 out of the 19 games, which just looking at it from afar wouldn't bode well for the Padres. But I think the Dodgers probably are shaking in their boots a little bit with the Padres. The Padres now have momentum. The Padres have proven they can win a series, and I think that does something for a team that's young and inexperienced and helps build that momentum going forward. Yeah, I think the Padres' little guys came through as well. Their big names didn't necessarily Mm – is who they relied on. Um, Profar, Austin Nola coming through, Trent Grisham playing offense and defense. 
Well, I think I heard Trent Grisham has an RBI in I think five I straight that. postseason games. That was the guy they got from from the Brewers a couple of years back. Um, Josh Hader seems to have uh, figured it out a little bit. I mean, he didn't pitch in the highest of leverage situation, but he got the playoff experience. He's got playoff experience from the Brewers. That is the marquee matchup in my mind. Um, as far as the series, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with Kyle too. I'm really intrigued. I've got I've got my Mariners hat on today. Uh, I've been to Seattle. It's a cool stadium. It's a cool atmosphere. I was there to oh, yeah? see King Felix pitch. Kind of sad that King Felix never got got to really do anything. He never played in the playoffs. Did he never. play for a different team or just not once Seattle? I think. I think he just played for Seattle. He may have gone in the offseason to another team and then retired before he pitched, but I don't think he pitched for another team. Uh, but he never played in the playoffs. So that Seattle-Houston matchup, that's going to be a good one. Uh, out of the two that I just mentioned, probably the one I would watch the most is just the Seattle-Houston for the fact that Seattle hasn't been there, and it's a new team. And I think people love fresh and new. Um so as we jump into that, what are the predictions for that series? Michael, Seattle, Houston, how do you see that playing out? It is a best-of-five series, so uh, only have to win three games. And Verlander on the mound for the Astros. He's probably the Cy Young award winner for the AL this year. Do uh, the Mariners have a let's just say knock away game one, and if the Mariners can come from behind and keep that momentum and not get too down after losing game one, who's going for Seattle in game one? Gilbert is yeah, Logan. Gilbert that's Gilbert a rookie right there. One. So that's a big stage for a rookie. I mean, he he had a great year. So I, I I I'm pulling for the Mariners. I do not want to see the Astros advance any further than they have to. Says the guy who took Toronto in the first round and the second round and the third round. As far as that uh, matchup, Seattle versus Houston. Kyle, you mentioned Logan Gilbert on the mound. Do you think they have a chance? I think they have a chance. Uh, I'm curious to see how are we going to get the same kind of pitching clinics we've got in these other series with these pitchers. Uh, I mean, Verlander, as you said, obviously a beast, the Cy Young winner for sure. But, um, I think, I think we get a full five in this one. I really do. I think it's going to be a great series. I, but the Astros themselves, I think they play with a chip on their shoulder, especially over the last couple of years. They've lost in the World Series uh, last year, uh, and I believe they lost to the Dodgers at one point, too. They beat the Dodgers in 17, um, but, oh, the Dodgers beat the, the Rays back in 2020. That doesn't count. Uh, but the Astros, man, <laughs> uh, not according to uh, who's the guy, Verdugo over on the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, did you see those comments real quick on a sidebar? He was saying, I don't know, because he was on the Dodgers and then got traded. I believe he was part yes. of the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, and uh, he said, I don't know, 60-game World Series winner. I'm not sure if that really is too too high. I'm not too I, convinced that that and is. And then Joe Musgrove, you know, getting back to bad taste World Series, it was Joe Musgrove of the Padres came out and said he does not like wearing that 2017 Astros World Championship ring out. He says he wants to win another one. The, the, I don't the right way. Yeah, legitimately. the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the Astros will prevail. Uh, I'm rooting for Seattle. I'd love to see the story. Uh, I've got some family out in Seattle, uh, and I think that they would be excited. I just don't know if Seattle's got the pitching outside of Castillo in the long run. I think the Astros with. Um, uh, the studs that they can toss out there. Uh, they've got three or four guys who have experience or who can shut a team down, and they're just a different team. Moving on to the next series, uh, probably the one that I think we're all going to agree on the most, the Guardians versus the Yankees. Michael, who do you Who got? do I think is going to win or who do I want to win? Uh, who do you think is going to win? I know who I you want to win. I think the Yankees power bats. Will will overpower the Rays pitching because the Rays just don't have the bats. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm staring. I'm staring at my bracket here where I have Rays versus <laughs> Yankees, and that's not right. Um, the, the it's, it's the same, really the same story. The the Guardians, uh, mm-hmm. they've got Cal Quantrill, 
you know, I think he's a rookie as well starting. He went 15-5, mm-hmm. and five, but that's against an AL Central division that half the teams could have won. But, I mean, Jose Ramirez is not hitting well and did not hit well in that wild card series. Um, I mean, they got by. This is Cal's fourth season, but uh, it's his second. Uh, He started 22 games last year in Cleveland and 18 in San Diego back in 2019. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, So he's got a little more experience. He's just not, uh, I guess, the first-class name when it comes to that rotation. So Cleveland's not starting with their best. Um, and that may put them behind in game one. And then game two, they've probably got the better pitcher of recent weeks. I mean, Nestor started the season out fantastic, uh, but I don't think he finished as well as Bieber did. Bieber was 9-2 and two with like a 2 ERA over the last two months of the year. So uh, I think it's going to be even after two games. It comes to Cleveland, and then New York puts it on them. Uh, the Yankees won that season series out of six games. The Yankees went five wow. and one. So I have the Yankees uh, probably probably winning that series. Kyle? Yeah, I have the Yankees going. Like Michael said, the bats that the Yankees have compared to what we saw in these wild cards, I, I do think it's going to either go four games, but I think it's going to be a Yankee sweep. Ooh. Yeah, and the fact that they can set their ooh, Yankees sweep. Uh, I mean – Cole gets game one versus Quantrill, but I think Bieber might be able to hold down the Yankees in Yankee Stadium it's, if it's, they make it in game. It's Bieber versus Cortez. They have announced that game so far. Yeah, and, that, uh, and they have not announced the matchup in game two for Seattle and Houston. Never know. Garrett Cole um, might implode just like Scherzer Philly. did. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I don't know. The he videos is you that see, that he's in a mindset right now. Yeah, that whole... I mean, everybody has Especially their day. But where he shared that thought with Brian mm. McCann, you know, hey, when you first get that taste of pro season, it's like a drug and you want more. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, next series on the list is Philadelphia versus Atlanta. I think we all have an idea on how that's going to go. Uh, Michael, that's um, the one you said you were the most excited to watch. Uh, the series. How do you expect it to go? What do you expect? Um, I'm assuming you. I have do the have the Braves moving on. on. I think they're just both sides. I mean, Max Freed, he's going to shove it. The next guy is going to shove it. I, I think you could see a series sweep here. To the Braves <laughs> taking the Phillies. Kyle. Yeah, I have the Braves moving on. We'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah, Braves moving on. I don't know of about a series sweep. I do think the Phillies are going to steal one, maybe two out of this. It was a more evenly matched series than uh, the other ones this year. The Braves won 11 out of the 19. Um, the Phillies probably on the backside of the pitching matchup in game one. Max Freed, who is a stud. I think he was third in the NL this year regarding ERA, going against Ranger Suarez, and we had it off Mike conversation about this via text earlier. Uh, Phillies thrown out Ranger Suarez game one, but it was either him or Kyle Gibson. And the way Gibson pitched earlier this year, I don't think that they're really expecting the count on him uh, with a five plus ERA. So game one goes to the Braves. They have not announced who the Brave starters for game two. Zach Wheeler, who pitched very well in game one, I thought, uh, or game two, he pitched game two for Philly. Excuse me. Um, because Nola pitched game one, didn't he? Or, or am I missing this up? Nope, Nola. It was one of those. I know Wheeler pitched in one of the first two games, obviously. Um, he's pitching game two for Philly. I would give them that matchup, even though they haven't announced it yet. I bet they go Strider with game two, probably just because of the home game portion of that. It's hard to throw a rookie out on the road for his first playoff game. So I would expect Atlanta to potentially throw Spencer Strider in game two uh, and then figure out the rotations for three and four from there. I think that it goes to Philly, but I don't think it leaves Philly, and I think the Braves win in four. Then the final series, it's going to be a bloodbath in my mind. Padres versus the Dodgers. Michael, it's in L.A. Nobody likes the Dodgers unless you're a Dodgers fan. What do you think? 
What do you want and what do you um, think? I my bracket had Mets Dodgers and the Dodgers moving on, but I I liked what I saw from the Padres in that first series. Um, small ball, but all around. Um, I, ho- I I'm rooting for the Padres to take it from the Dodgers. And who do, do I think they're going to? Kyle, um, you're right. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, I, Mike. No, I, go for I, it. Who I, do you think? I don't know who I think. That's, I think that's going to be a great matchup uh, because if the Padres pitching can can come around, I think their hitting can keep them in the games. Um. Let's see. They got. I mean, you Musgrove, Clevenger is starting game one. If they can get a good start mm-hmm. out of Clevenger, mm-hmm. and then they've got you to start over again, possibly in game two. Game two, you oh, versus Kershaw. Yep. And that'll be on October the twelfth at eight thirty-seven. Yeah, that's going to be a game that you need to uh, set your TV and take away all distractions because that's going to be one to watch in on. Yep. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm with Mike. I had Mets and Dodgers as well, and then Dodgers moving. We all did. But, uh, I want to see the Padres do it. I think overall they have – I think pitching is about equal. Clevenger's the only one that I'm a little worried about. Um, but I think they can pull it off. I, also, I do think this is going to go the full five, though. Here's one thing I will say. If you are a baseball fan or if if you're not a baseball fan and you're looking at a series to potentially watch to maybe get your interest in this sport into the place uh, the postseason itself, if there was a series I was going to pick out of all this, maybe even the whole series before the World Series, this might yeah. be the one I circle. Yeah. Because the Padres and the Dodgers, this is becoming a budding rivalry, rivalry between both teams. Both teams don't like each other. There are rivalries nowadays, but this is one of those genuine back-in-the-day rivalries, I think, where the other teams really don't like each other. You Darvish returning to L.A., the team that he was on and quote-unquote failed for, even though he pitched incredible until the World Series when they lost to the Astros. I think that the, the, the Padres have a chip on their shoulder. They know that they got it handed to them this year by the Dodgers in the regular season. But the Padres' talent is up there with the Dodgers, even if the record's not. The Dodgers a whole different story regarding talent and depth. It's hard to argue that they're not one of the best, if not the best team in the league. They have, of course, home field advantage through the playoffs. But I think it's scary for a team like the Dodgers when you look at a division rival who you've pummeled because at a certain point, the other team's day is going to come. And whether that's going to be in the playoffs, I, I think it's going to go five games. I think L.A. squeaks it out just by the fact that they have the experience that the Padres don't. The Padres' rotation has some experience, especially between Snell, Darvish, and even Musgrove pitching uh, for the Astros at some point. But he wasn't a real mainstay of that rotation when they went to the World Series. Um, so I think overall the Dodgers win that one. Do you want to uh, go into the... Do you want to go Speaking into like the? Me, were you going to talk about the Padres, uh, how they built their team versus the Dodgers? Were you going to talk about that? Yeah, and I saw a tweet. Um, I tweeted it out. Oh, real quick. Also, I, I've got a couple of notes here, and I don't want to take too much time because I know uh, we've got things to do. And the listeners who are still listening, thank you so much. Here was a funny tidbit. I I subscribe to this email every day called the Morning Brew. Uh, most of the time, it's just a quick five-minute read about news, whatever. Uh, this one, they said, we don't know, are we going to go into an <laughs> economic crisis? A better indicator of whether or not we will is if the Phillies win the World Series. As the baseball historians on the Brew social media team found, over the past 100 years, the surest sign of an economic downturn has been a Philly-based baseball team winning the World Series. It happened in 29, 1930, 1980, and in 2008. The Phillies clinched a postseason spot, and now they're moving on. So, should we be rooting against the Phillies? Because then that would mean our economy is most likely going to tank. <laughs> well, let's hope the Phillies are going to Phillies, just like the Mets going to Met. As far as uh, the statistic I saw, uh, Michael, you may have something different than what I was talking about, but I think it pretty much gets to the same point here is the 
the way that the Padres built their team, I saw, I think, out of their wins above replacement, which is uh, calculated as war, the team got .6 wins above replacement from homegrown players this year. Yeah, the, I have that say. I think this is the chart where it has the gold, the blue, and the silver showing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, Incredible stuff. The Padres definitely they bought, bought their, their team. team this time around. The 15 players they got via trade, eight they got free agent, and only three were from the draft. Were the Dodgers usually are their, mm-hmm. are their, the buy team? Um, but they they did have eleven trade, seven free agent, and eight from the draft. So they have had some luck of guys coming up. Yeah, I mean the uh, the second baseman who played for the team most of the year, he was their uh, Gavin Lux, um, Will Smith at catcher, uh, who has played DH a lot this year, I believe. Uh, Austin Barnes, I think their other catcher, was a homegrown talent. You look at Kershaw, he was Bellinger, technically Urias. homegrown. Urias, um, Bellinger, and even Bueller, uh, who was not going to be on the, the roster because he has to have cert- – yep. he had Tommy John, I believe, uh, earlier in the year. Um, but even he was part – like they're pitching – they didn't. They didn't buy their team. They bought some big name players. Freddie. Uh, they got Trey Turner from the Nationals. Um, Justin Turner. Trey. He was a free agent pickup. Even yeah, uh, right, I thought he right. was a free agent or like a, even a. And then they picked up Max Muncy on a minor league deal a couple years ago, and he took off. Look at Chris Taylor. Those are the types of moves the Dodgers make that make them better than any other team is they get these guys who are down and out. Justin Turner, when he and was nobody. on the Mets, he wasn't, yeah. he was just a guy. He was a guy. He was a guy who's going to come in and be a defensive guy or uh, maybe a utility player. And he's a starting third baseman for the most part. Uh, and then they went out and they got Mookie Betts. I mean, that's an all-star team itself. You've got Cody Bellinger, former MVP. Mookie Betts, former MVP. Freddie Freeman, former MVP. Trey Turner, who could be an MVP. You've got studs all up and down that lineup. That's why it's hard for me to think that the Dodgers are going to uh, squander it. But the Dodgers do lose in the playoffs. So who knows? Uh, moving on from there, uh, we got a bunch of – uh, playoff bracket sent in. Of course, we put that challenge out there, the BNB bracket challenge. I'm counting nine entries. Uh, there were not a lot of winning going on. To recap the standings between the three of us, Michael, you got the correct matchup with the Phillies over St. Louis. That was your only win. Kyle had the Mariners over Toronto. That was his only win, and I went over. Let's go uh, in the first round. So if you, <laughs> but Michael says let's go, and his other World Series team is not there. So Michael's chance to win has greatly diminished because the amount of points he can rack up aren't there. Uh, Kyle, uh, you and I both have Houston moving on and Atlanta in our bracket. Uh, Michael has Houston or uh, had Toronto instead. Uh, in Atlanta. As far as the challengers, those of you who have chimed in, sent in your bracket. The one with the most uh, wins so far is James Spinner. That happens to be my dad, but he is disqualified because he did not use the correct code word. So uh, that, and he didn't comment on the Instagram poll. So he's got three. Everybody else, Ashley Rhodes, two. Amy Spinner, one. Kristen Swilly, one. Jerry Farriser, zero. Jake Plasmeyer and Joseph Campbell both have two. Mary Harris, zero. And Kyle, you'll know him as at Braves and Bourbon. He also went over similar to me because him and Mary and I have a very similar bracket, but we're still alive, and that is why it's a bracket challenge and not just the first round. Uh, but thank you to each and every one of you who joined in uh, and for your support on social media. Uh, now switching on, we're going to talk next week about the recap of the series, and we'll dive more into baseball. It's funny I'm talking about this right now because it's sober October as I have a drink in my hand, but as we talked about last week, Sober October, we were challenged by our friend's podcast, Reaching for the Bars out of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, the gist of it is not to be sober. It's more of a health 
conscious thing. Don't eat bad. Uh, 100 push-ups a day, 200 sit-ups a day. Air um, squats. Kyle, yeah, 200 air squats. Excuse me, not sit-ups. Kyle, you and I have predominantly been the two who've done this. What has been the biggest challenge for you out of this so far, and what has been something that's surprisingly been easier than you expected? Uh, the temptation by food. Uh, I've always had that struggle, but uh, as you, as we've said, we work in news. There's food around all the time. Um, it's been a lot of birthdays in the family this week, so there's cake. Like mm-hmm. Literally before I jumped on this podcast, it was my brother-in-law's birthday celebration cakes and all that uh i did not dabble i wanted to dabble but i did not dabble and uh yeah that's been the hardest i get to watch you to take your point and that's fine i know there's going to be a day where i have to also take a point but uh i'm doing my best hey you're you're killing it uh i think you're doing great um would you say squats get, have gotten easier now, or they're just about the same as the beginning? My legs don't hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, doing the the push-ups and the squats every day has gotten a lot easier. I do feel more of the fatigue on my body. Uh, if you follow my Instagram at bnb underscore roads, uh, I try to post whatever I'm doing that day. So maybe it inspires you to work out or gives you an idea of something to do that day. Um, but I ran a 5K this morning like I tried to do every Monday and Friday and I was feeling it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kudos to reaching for the bars. Old Chad and what's his nuts. Trey. <laughs> Michael, I know you said this was your first drink in about a week, sick. right? Oh, well, Hey, we're going to say he participated. Uh, what I've found is, my legs are in a constant state of soreness, mainly from the squats. I've had seven knee surgeries, um, which probably doesn't seven in that regard. But I've already, yeah, I've had three ACLs, two meniscus, a ruptured patella, and then a uh, bone, so is that robo leg. You should stay off. Of. Too much. In. I ironically, I feel better the more I move, if that makes sense. Uh, but the squats. As long as I get the workout, the the requirements done early in the day, I feel like that momentum takes me through the day. But it's those days where I'm like, oh man, I got three or four more sets to ramp out. That's thirty push ups, and then because I'm doing it in sets of ten and twenty, just to kind of focus on like quicker and get them done faster rather than fatiguing one muscle group out at a time. Um, the biggest temptation I thought was going to be bourbon because I've got a ton of it and. I just came off a month of drinking every day for Bourbon Heritage Month. Uh, a different bourbon every day except two days because I was still drunk from the day on Friday. Uh, but what I will say, that temptation hasn't been there as long as I have planned out my food. I'm doing RP uh, RP diet. It's an app. Uh, I've hit my macros almost every meal. I think there's one meal that I was off by a little bit, but I was within that 10 gram window that we were allowed. So technically I didn't hit the meals the way I wanted to, but I still was within uh, that. I've taken two one ounce pours last week and this week. So those are two days at minus two. That puts me at even. I'm working out all the time. I feel better about myself. I feel lighter. I feel leaner already. And it's only day 10 here. Um, Now I just want to focus more on new skills which is part of the challenge, maybe learning a new language, See? audiobooks, or just reading. I need to, need to be better of sitting down and taking the time for reading. Mm-hmm. I just noticed, and again, it could be recent, but like, I don't know how it is across the country, but over here in Ohio, our library provides basically their version of Audible for free, as long as you have a library card. Oh, cool. Well, this week, well, last week, I guess, Spotify put audiobooks on the app. So some books that I can't find, hell yeah, can't find on the library app that I've wanted to read are now on this app. So yeah, we just get our hour in and the tools that we use every day. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Um, for those of you who want to learn more about the challenge, go check out our friends reaching for the bars, or just search the hashtag RFTB Sober October. They're really cool guys over there. Their real names are Dusty. Mabry, Caleb, and Andrew, but we like to call Andrew Chad 
or to Chad is how they want them to be referred to because there's a T in front of Chad and then Trey. Um, again, those are our buddies over at Reaching for the Bars. They're out of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, next week, boys, we will be moving on to episode five. I think we're also going to have a few more things dropping potentially on YouTube or on our Instagram page between now and then. Uh, I may try to do a recap of a big game or uh, of a series between now and then. By that point, we should have the winners of the ALDS and the NLDS, depending on when we record. We have not set that yet, but look for more on social media. We'll also preview the NLCS and the ALCS and do a bracket recap and also an update on Sober October uh, and, of course, anything else. I know, Michael, you did have one gripe you had mentioned to me on the phone and mentioned in our group earlier. I want to hear what that yeah, is before I, I, we the, move on. The small mar- smaller market teams for these playoff games, game one and two, that have already had their time scheduled, you've got Atlanta and Philly. They're playing each other at 11 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday. You've... 12, I think it's 12 a.m. <laughs> or 12 p.m. I have 1.07 Eastern oh, okay. for tomorrow. So it's early. But Who still, it's early. Who wants to have that you know, fun get playoff atmosphere at in the middle at lunchtime on Tuesday? I think Seattle's the same thing. They're at like 2.30 Central Time. Uh, so, of course, you've got L.A. at prime or uh, New York prime time at night and L.A. prime time at night. Both game one and two. They couldn't, they couldn't split that at all. They've got the big market teams. Baseball's all about money, man. And unfortunately, that's how it is. And in the TV business, Kyle and I can tell you that uh, the bigger the market, the more money you can bring in. Yeah, the what I'm seeing here is game one for the Phillies and Braves. You can find uh, that would be Tuesday, October 11th, probably by the time this podcast is out. Uh, it's pretty close at 1.07 p.m. Eastern. The next game is 3.37 p.m. Eastern. That is the Mariners versus the Astros. Uh, as far as Pacific time, that'll be a 12.30 game. San Diego and L.A. will be the late game uh, on their uh, Tuesday, 9.37 p.m. Eastern. So that's 8.37 Central. And then Cleveland and New York, the Guardians versus the Yankees. Game one, uh, that'll be at 7.37 p.m. Branching off of that, I did have a gripe as well. I'm pissed off at Major League Baseball. I buy the MLB TV subscription to watch all the games every year. And we get to the playoffs and you do not use those. You do not stream those on MLB.tv. You go to the local provisor, providers. I understand. They're trying to get those TV broadcast rights and that money. But people are paying their money to see every game, especially in the wildcard series. I'm not shelling out $135 a year to just watch the Cubs every right. game. I want to watch every game that I can. And that includes the playoffs. Some people have cut the cord. You know, I just think it's ridiculous, and I also think that that's a sham and that's bogus in my mind. But that's me Agreed. on my soapbox. You get spring training. I progress, and I digress. Yes, but not all teams no, I was do saying, their spring you know, training games. Why, why, do you, why cut off for the big moment there at the end? Oh, right. Right. Oh, for sure. It's when you should have your viewership at the highest. And I understand that's why they want you to be watching the network, but I'm not going to be getting a cable subscription just for one month of baseball. I'm going to find a different way, and it's most likely going to be in an illegal way. So uh, that's on you, Major League Baseball. So moving on. (laughs) Next week, you'll be able to find us. We'll talk more about baseball. We'll break down another bourbon. We'll figure out what bourbon that is. And, of course, if there's anything that pops up, you can always find us on Instagram. Michael, what's your Instagram B underscore Burns. Kyle? Uh, BNB underscore roads. Roadhouse. And you can find me on <laughs> Roadhouse. And you can find me at whiskey underscore weather if you're looking for my whiskey page or weather spinner or WX spinner uh, on uh, Instagram as well. As far as our show, barrels underscore and underscore barrels we are now at 312 followers as the last check so a big thank you to all of you who follow look for more content here throughout the week you can also find us on twitter oh it went down to 311 we lost a <laughs> bond uh twitter at barrels and barrels 
Facebook, facebook.com. Just type in Barrels and Barrels Pod, and that should show up in your search feed. We're also on YouTube, Barrels and Barrels. You can find every episode there and look out for some more baseball talk and bourbon talk there as we'll break out sessions for a couple of short videos as well throughout the next couple of weeks. If you have any questions or just want to contact us, barrelsandbarrels at gmail.com. And also, as always, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Please, 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 please rate and review us. Five-star reviews are great. Leave us an honest and open opinion. If there's something that you would like us to change, please let us know. If there's something you enjoy, we would love to hear that. Brandon's hat. For myself... Michael Burns and Kyle Rhodes. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Another fun time. Let's go. See you next week.